I've got a couple, a couple things I want to talk about. First, and they're all gathered, most of them are gathered in the back already. But I want to, before you guys leave, um, especially the kids, I love the kids during the Christmas uh, Eve outreach. Many of you guys, raise your hand if you went to the Christmas Eve outreach. You guys, man, where are, where are our people that went? There was like 30-something people. Yeah, I mean, 36. There was a huge, huge group this year. They're all still recovering. Yeah, me as well. Um, and uh, so we went for Christmas Eve. If you haven't gone, what we do is we go to the uh, Waffle House. We go to two Waffle Houses, and we bring them gifts, gift cards. Um, we had little little gift cakes. Vicky made some awesome little gift little bun cakes that were great. Um, we were able to give all those out, and then we go to the hospitals, the waiting rooms. And the cool thing is, the first uh, Waffle House we went into, and we always get. I love doing outreaches. This is part of what we're. I'm going to talk about briefly in a minute too about what we're going to do this coming up here with outreaches. Is when you get outside the doors, you get all kinds of different reactions to to just loving people with no strings attached. And when you go to Waffle House on Christmas Eve, you get all those reactions. So you'll have one or two people crying, and they're just like, wow, somebody remembered me on Christmas Eve. And you have a couple other people like, this is really cool, and they're just videoing with their phone, you know. And, and then other people that are just, you know, appreciative and, and everything of the gifts. And then what was cool is, uh, like a few days later, I got a message on Facebook of a guy that was just eating in there. He said, hey, I was just eating in the Waffle House when you guys came in there, and that just made our night that you guys didn't forget about the Waffle House employees that are stuck back there that eating. So, I mean, there was just such a, uh, a wide variety of people that were touched in different ways just by singing a quick carol and, and giving some gifts. It wasn't hard. It wasn't stressful. Did it, uh, anybody that went, were you all stressed out at all about that? It was fun. It was so much fun. And uh, so we go in there, and the, the funny thing is on the second one we went in, as soon as we walked in, I mean, we got 36 people with us. And uh, as soon as we walk in, you saw the, the cook look at us with his eyes, and he turned around, and I could hear him, and he said, Oh, dear Lord, help us all. <laughs> and I quote, he said, Oh, dear Lord, help us all. And I busted out laughing. I waited till everybody got in there, and I told him, I was like, Hey, I heard what you said. We're not eating. <laughs> Don't worry. Don't worry. We're not eating. So, uh, so anyway, he was real thankful, and he thought it was funny, too, and I think he videoed us while we were doing it. So we sang carols, and we went to the hospitals. And this year was a little bit different with the hospitals. Um, normally we just go into the waiting rooms, just pray for people and give gifts, which we did that. But this year we had a few people that we knew in there. Um, Patrick's uh, grandfather, which is basically like his dad that raised him, he was in there. And then uh, uh, Robin's mom was in there. She's waiting for surgery. And what was cool is we, we, we got to go in there and just spend some time with them. And um, as the Turners are so great with song, they began to sing. Well, I guess the head nurse or whatever came out and said, hey, would you guys mind doing that again? <laughs> and we'll open all the doors uh, and you guys can just walk around and sing. So we got to walk around and sing Christmas carols like in the hospital, and it was awesome. I mean, it was really, really cool. It was, it was one of those, those moments that you didn't plan that just sort of happened. Um, and, and what's funny is we were texting back and forth because we had such a large group. We split up into floors, like I see you in different places. So I was texting Andrew and like, hey, and we're like, where is everybody? They're here. We're going up to Robin's mom's room, da-da-da. It's like, all right, we're on our way. So I thought we were ahead of everybody, but we were actually behind <laughs> And so by the time we got up there, I walked up on the kids walking up right before me and just began to stretch their hands out and start praying. I was like, wow, this is really cool. Normally, I'm like in the bustle of everything. I got to step back and watch the kids um, just praying for people. It was just really cool. So anyway, it's a really cool experience. I'm thankful for all of you guys that helped, that donated and contributed and came out, and it was just really fun. So I just want to give you a rundown of that. All right, we've got... uh We've got lots of stuff coming up this year. Um, you guys know I'm not huge on vision as far as like this big vision casting for our church. Here's our vision. <laughs> We're going to spread the kingdom in lots of different ways. 
Um, we'll come up with ideas. You guys will come up with ideas. We'll, we'll do it within our church body on Sundays, Wednesdays, whenever we can do it. We're going to do it outside the church with outreaches and different ways where we organize it. And hopefully you guys are going to do it individually in your life because that's just who you're created to be. Um, so be praying as we, we go into the new year. Our first Sunday in the new year, we're going to take communion. So it's going to be a time when we, we kind of gather ourselves together. And I want to encourage you to, to try to make it to that because I would like, it's funny, we, we kind of cycle through. It's like one Sunday I see different faces than the next Sunday. <laughs> we just kind of cycle through sometimes. But if we could all be there for the first Sunday, I'd appreciate it. And I'll, I'll make a post about it too because I kind of want to get on, on the same page about unity and, and kind of where we are and where we're going as a church body. This chair squeaking. It's driving me nuts. <laughs> but uh, I want to get on the same page as, as, as everybody else and the direction we're going. And even after communion, I kind of want to uh, possibly even brainstorm some ideas with you guys and get everybody's feedback. Um, as leadership, we gather sometimes, we talk about things, and we've, we've got lots of uh, ideas for maybe new men's group and a couple other things with, uh, with like bullets and barbecue like we used to do. We've got a lot of people in here who like to shoot guns. And so we may do a, a, a kind of a few things where we go out, not just for guys. It used to be, and it used to frustrate me because when we had years ago that bullets and barbecue thing, it was for like guys and their sons. And I was like, well, I've got three daughters, but I like to shoot guns too. Um, so we're going to do some more family-oriented stuff with that too. Uh, so there's going to be lots of different little groups that we're going to have. Um, and it comes from, from you guys. It's not me just trying to create these structures so that we fill time. Um, these are things that you guys enjoy doing and want to do and want to fellowship together with it. I may start a jet ski group because I like to ride jet skis. Um, but, uh, but these are just things that we like to do that we can involve other people in uh, that are just fun, fun activities, and we can share the Lord in the midst of them because it's just who we are. So just be praying about that, and if you can, come next Sunday. We're going to have communion. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be a lot of fun. And I think that's it for my announcements. I just had a few announcements. All right, last week we looked at what Jesus looked like. Do you all remember what Jesus looked like? He looks like us. Thank you, somebody. Somebody's listening. It's funny because I get, I get feedback sometimes from podcasts. I forget that this stuff goes out there for anybody to listen to. And I, I feel so personal in here because this is like our family, you know. And people will comment and send me private messages sometimes. And they're like, man, this is so awesome. It feels like home when I listen. It feels like we're in a, in a home setting and we're just you know, having a discussion. I'm like, that's awesome that people can hear that all across, you know, America and, and hear the love that we have in this place. It's really cool. But, yeah, Jesus looks like us. Um, I, I told Tracy I was going to talk about her today because I, I, when I don't warn her, she doesn't like it. <laughs> so I at least warned her. Um, but I thought about it even during worship. I thought about it. Jesus looks like Tracy. And the reason I said that is because we saw on the news just the other day uh, about the government shutting down. Many of y'all have seen that. There's lots of uh, opinions on what that looks like and how who's right, who's wrong, what we should do, what we shouldn't do. What I love about Tracy, and, and sometimes we talk about this, and she'll ask me, what do you love about me? And I'll ask her, what do you love about me, kind of thing, just kind of solidifying our relationship in some strange way. But uh, one of the things that I really love about Tracy is she, she cares very deeply for people, um, sometimes in such a way that, that she gets overwhelmed. Um, but this is a perfect example of that. As soon as we heard that, her immediate, her immediate thought was, they said something about the Coast Guard. Her immediate thought was, do we know anybody in the Coast Guard? Because they're not going to get paid for a while. Can we, is there a way that we can find out, you know, is there anybody that we know? And we thought of somebody and we contacted them. And, and I just love that. I mean, that's, that's Jesus working through Tracy and saying, look, it's not about, at this specific point, it's not about a political position for us personally. Who can, who can we bless in the midst of what's going on? And I love that. I mean, that's, who, that's, that's Christ-like. And I'm just, I'm encouraged by that. And I wanted to encourage you as well. That's, that reminds me of, of what Christ looked like. 
poem. So, yeah, Jesus looks like us. You win a star, Lydia. Um, so, yeah, we were created. I just want to briefly go over. We were created in the image of God. You remember the, the icon, which is where we get the word icon. It's from the Greek, and it's, it's not two eyes, you know, a nose, ears, you know. Um, everybody talks about, was Jesus look like this? What was his skin color? That kind of thing. Uh, Jesus carried the image of God. He was the very character of God. Image in that, in that term, even from the very beginning when we were created in his image, is his very character. You, you are compatible with God. Now, we know that was messed up, but now it's reinstated through Christ. So the believer is compatible with God. And that is an absolute radical statement. Because in our place right now, um, as we walk in here, in the flesh, Rick said, I'm here in the flesh, <laughs> not just in, by, by spirit. So as we walk in the flesh... We are okay with God, and that's huge. I mean, that's massive because we weren't always that way. Matter of fact, Gentiles weren't even, even near it. You know, we all came in on this thing at the, at the almost last minute into this new covenant. So being compatible and okay with God is a major mind change. That's why we renew our minds to it because we don't always feel that way, right? Does, does everyone in here feel close to God all the time? I don't always feel close to God. But you are. <laughs> if you're a believer, you are close to God. That's the truth about you. And the amazing thing about that is it gives us a position by which we can operate from that place and not try to work our way, our way towards it. Now, the, the, the thing we talked about last week, many people didn't recognize him. Do you remember that? And why didn't they recognize him? They, he didn't look like the king that they thought that they wanted. He didn't look like the ruler that they thought that they needed. He didn't act in a way that they thought a king should act, right? And so they were a bit frustrated about it. They wanted a king to come do things that they wanted to do, and, but they didn't really even understand what they wanted or what they needed. But the, the reason they didn't recognize him is because it wasn't because of just the way he looked, right? It was his character. It was, it was him coming in and, and washing disciples' feet and caring for people and healing the sick and doing these things, even though the prophets said that's what was going to happen. So he didn't look like the way that they, that they thought he should look like. So you were created in the image of God, um, and you were close to God. Ephesians 2.13 says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So you are compatible with God. So th the thing about us putting our faith in something, you don't put your faith in the feelings that you're close to God. Put your faith in the blood of the Christ that is close to God. How close is Jesus to God? Pretty close? I'd say they're part of the same trinity. <laughs> right? And the, what does the Bible tell us? As he is, so are we. Where? In this world. Right? So you are as close to God as Jesus is close to God. That's where the believer stands. That's the truth about you. <laughs> the believer doesn't, doesn't operate in an attempt to gain favor with God. He operates from a place of favor with God. So there's, there's kind of two sides to this relationship coin, this relationship with God coin. We experience joy and communion with the Father, and by doing so, we attract and reconcile others around us. Um, there's no need to add to what Jesus has already done. So we're going to look at how this looks in community. I told you all uh, last week that we were going to talk more about community. <clears throat> this is what this, this looks, out, looks like played out, um, especially within the church body and even outside. Uh, and we're going to go through pretty much the whole chapter, Romans 14, if you want to turn to 14. I'm going to try to slow down. I've noticed I started listening to a few podcasts. If you ever listen to yourself speak, man, that's rough. <laughs> you catch all the things that you mess up. And, and one of the things that I noticed is I run through scriptures real quick, and a lot of people, 
I don't think could keep up because I couldn't turn to them that quick. So we're Romans 14, 1 is where we're going to start. And we're going to read all the way through Romans. This is going to be scripture heavy, so be ready. Um, and I'm in the message if you, if you have a digital version, you want to switch to message, or you can just read it and try to, try to keep up. It's a lot more wordy in the message, but I really like the version for Romans 14. And then we're going to end a little bit past Romans 15, but we're going to start Romans 14, 1. So I'll give everybody time to get there. Romans 14, 1. And this opening statement is one of the main reasons I, <clears throat> I like the message version of this. It says, welcome with open arms fellow believers who don't see things the way you do. And we could stop there. <laughs> I want to repeat that. Welcome with open arms fellow believers who don't see things the way that you do. And don't jump all over them every time they do or say something you don't agree with. Even when it seems that they are strong on opinions but weak in the faith department. Remember, they have their own history to deal with. Treat them gently. (laughs) How many of you have ever been in a church experience where you were not treated very gently? Uh, I've been there. Um, One of the things, I'll pause here for a second. Uh, One of the things that gives me hope and faith, especially in just basic outward appearance, not talking about character now, um, there were places, especially when I f- was first being drawn to the Lord and going to church, that I would go in places <clears throat> and I felt very uncomfortable. And it wasn't because, it wasn't necessarily because of the way that I dressed, but it was because of the way people looked at me, the way that I dressed. Um, and I felt like I didn't fit in, right? And the truth was I did, I fit in. I fit in with Christ. I just didn't fit in with the, the, the rules and regulations that surrounded that specific area. Of, of people. Um, and the problem with that is when you begin to exclude people, that's exactly the opposite of what Jesus did. Oh, I just thought of a quote that I don't, I don't want to start some drama in here. I'll leave that alone. Um, <laughs> nah. Here, and please hear me. I'm not, I'm not getting any, any, into anything political, but this is derived from a political statement but it's the heart behind it that bothers me, and it was, I've seen it a few times, and please don't take this as though I'm taking a stand for some political thing because I'm not. Um, but I've seen, I've seen a few of these posts thrown out there that says that, uh, just want to remind everybody that, that heaven had closed borders and, and you know, hell has open borders. It's something to that effect. And, and to, me, to me, the heart behind that says that Jesus is trying to keep people out of heaven, and that really bothers me. Something in me perks up when I see that. Now, like I said, this is completely separate from any political statement. It's the heart behind it. Um, heaven is not, God is not trying to keep people out of heaven. He's not. Um, yes, you have to go through Christ, but Christ has open arms. Christ is not trying to keep people out. He's trying to get people in. I'll leave that where it is. I don't want to dwell on it too long. It just, it hurts when I think people have that, that, that idea of what that's what heaven's like. That, that there are these big gates with a big padlock on them, and he's trying to keep everybody out. And I won't even get into the narrow gate thing, because that's a different story. Um, I, I digress. All right, verse 2, which the message says verse 2 through 4. It's kind of paraphrased here. It says, for instance, a person who has been around for a while might well be convinced that he can eat anything on the table, while another with a different background might assume he should only be a vegetarian and eat it accordingly. But since both or guests at Christ's table, wouldn't it be terribly rude 
if they fell to criticizing what the other ate or didn't eat. God, after all, invited them both to the table. Do you have any business crossing people off the guest list or interfering with God's welcome? If there are corrections to be made or manners to, to be learned, God can handle that without your help. Listen, there is something freeing knowing the power of the Holy Spirit. Something very, very freeing to know the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's why. When we neglect the power of the Holy Spirit, we try to take his job for him. We try to tell people what they can and can't do and what they should and shouldn't do instead of telling them who they need to know because he can do all that stuff for you. And he's much better at it than you are. Verse 5. Or say, one person thinks some days it should be set aside as holy and other thinks that each day is pretty much like any other. There are good reasons either way, so each person is free to follow the convictions of conscience. What's important in all this is that if you keep a holy day, keep it for God's sake. This is the why part. Why do we do what we do? It's not the things that you do, but why are you doing the things that you do? So keep it for God's sake. If you eat meat, eat it to the glory of God and thank God for prime rib. (laughs) I love that statement. Another reason I love the message. And thank God for prime rib. If you're a vegetarian, eat vegetables to the glory of God and thank God for broccoli. (laughs) I love that. None of us are permitted to insist on our way in these matters. It's God we we are answerable to. All the way from life to death and everything in between, not each other. That's why Jesus lived and died and then lived again so that he could be our master across the entire range of life and death and free us from the petty tyrannies of each other. Man, that is good news. How freeing is it that you don't have to pick everybody apart in this place or even outside of this place? You don't, have, you don't need to feel the need to do that. Listen, you, even if you wanted to, you can't fix everybody's problems on your own. And I, I know most of us want to. We want to fix everybody, right? Especially as a guy, I want to fix things. If something doesn't run, I want to make it run. If something's wrong in someone's life, I want to fix it. Hey, don't do that, stupid. <laughs> this is the result of that, right? And what happens is you can become cold to people when they continue to make the same mistakes over and over and over again. You can be, And here's, I'm speaking from experience here. You can begin to withdraw from people. And the reason is because what's happening is not happening in the way that you want it to happen. It's not happening on the timeline with which you've created in your own mind. So what happens is you don't have the patience of Christ. Why? Because you think that you're the God of this situation. I don't want to, I don't want to pick on you a little bit. But you think that you've got everything figured out. Trust me, two years from now, you, you may look back and go, I was so wrong in that situation. Why? Because we don't have everything figured out. We're all still learning, right? He's talking about eating and drinking here, but he's talking to people who put their faith in eating and drinking. There were things that were kosher and not kosher that were very serious. You don't do those things. And this is what they base their faith on. So he's, he's talking to them about food, but he's talking to everyone about why we do the things that we do. We've talked about it in here. <clears throat> what is holy? If, if, if you are with Christ, everything you do is holy. Treat it that way. Everything you do, everywhere you go is holy. It's not, it's not just this church building that's holy. People say, oh, you can't say that in the church. Well, if I shouldn't say it in here, I shouldn't say it out there, right? It's not just this building doesn't carry some orb, <laughs> you know. This is, this, is, this is life all the time. And corporately, as we talk about corporately within the body, we need to realize this is how we operate together. Instead of picking each other apart, we should be building each other up. verse 10 so where does that leave you when you criticize a brother 
And where does that leave you when you, when you condescend a sister? I'd say it leaves you looking pretty silly or worse. Eventually, we're all going to end up kneeling side by side in the place of judgment facing God. Your critical and condescending ways aren't going to improve your position there one bit. <laughs> Read it for yourself in Scripture. As I live and breathe, God says every knee will bow before me and every tongue will, will tell the honest truth that I and only I am God. So tend to your knitting. <laughs> You've got your hands full just taking care of your own life before God. Mind your business. <laughs> That's what he's saying. Mind your business. And my best horrible Will, Will Smith, mind your business. Okay, verse 13. Forget about deciding what's right for each other. Here's what you need to be concerned about. That you don't get in the way of someone else making life more difficult than it already is. I'm convinced, Jesus convinced me, that everything as it is in itself is holy. We, of course, by the way we treat or talk about it, can contaminate it. If you confuse others by making a big issue over what they eat or don't eat, you're no longer a companion to them in love, are you? These, remember, are persons for whom Christ died. Would you risk sending them to hell over an item in their diet? Don't you dare let a piece of God-blessed food become an occasion of soul poisoning. <clears throat> when we take issues, it's the whole uh, making a mountain hill, make, making a mountain out of a molehill, Make a, <laughs> making a molehill out of a mountainous mole. I was, trying to, I was trying to think of a creative way to butcher it, but I couldn't even do that because I just naturally did it. I did it was pretty good. You butchered it pretty good. That's the whole thing of, of trying to create something out of nothing. Um, if Here's where we have to be careful, especially within the church body, and, and I'm just talking to you guys. Um, we have to be careful with when we, when we pray for people and we make intercession and we talk about that, we have to be careful that we're not gossiping about it. We, we want to pray for people in a way that they are built up, not in a way that they're torn down. So what can happen when we begin to pray for one another, and I've seen it happen before, is we want to share the prayer requests with other people and we talk to other people about it. And we try to find people that we trust, but sometimes those people can tell other people and then other people and other people. And then by the time it gets back to the person that we're trying to pray for, it's either not accurate or it comes across the wrong way and somebody is offended. That's the last thing we want. We don't want that. So here's, here's a, a pretty easy remedy to that. Always, and this is very hard for me, <laughs> always assume the best in people. I say it's hard for me because I saw the worst in people growing up. I saw, I saw, I saw people do things that I thought people, I couldn't imagine even now, back then it was normal, but now I can't imagine people doing, people being that evil, being that mean. Um, so I saw the bad in people growing up. Now, what's, what's taken its toll on me, especially with the Holy Spirit moving through me, is seeing the best in people the way that Christ sees people. Here's, what, here's, here's the thing. It doesn't make me uh, a sucker. It doesn't make me gullible in seeing that. Now, hear me when I say that. It's not letting people take advantage of you. It's knowing, and this is the whole kind of being, being as, uh, as uh, sharp as a, snake but innocent as a dove kind of thing it's not that you're ignorant listen there are people that have taken advantage of me in in different ways you know from from uh, finances to um, just help you know just different things but here's the thing they really haven't taken advantage of me in their minds they may have taken advantage of me and they may feel a certain way about it but in me I've not lost anything because I've not I've not 
invested in the things that I've done for them. I'm trying to invest in them. Do you see the difference? If I'm investing in, in what I have, in, in my own abilities to either give or do, um, then that's lost. But that's not our investments. We don't invest in those things. We invest in people. So my ultimate goal is to see that person reconciled with God regardless of what I, what I lose in this realm. All this is passing away anyway, right? It's just rust and moth are going to destroy it anyway. So in, in anything that we think that we're being taken advantage of in those areas, um, as far as giving, I've not been taken advantage of at all. All of those things have been blessings. And I don't want, I don't want uh, shame and guilt to go with those things. Those things are blessings. If someone blesses me, and this is what's hard for me too, and someone blesses me, um, somebody gave me these shoes for Christmas. I don't, I don't deserve these shoes. These are normally I buy Jordans like used or like a Goodwill or like discount, and these are new ones. <laughs> and I was like, I don't. And immediately I thought, I can't accept this. And the Lord said, Yes, you can. This is this is a blessing. This is just something simple. It's just shoes. It's not a big deal. But to me, when you. You don't, I'm kind of getting off topic here. You don't, rob, you don't rob people of their blessing when they give to you and don't rob people by blessing them by thinking that they owe you something all the time. I saw a post the other day about, uh, don't, please don't help me if you're going to remind me every day that you help me. <laughs> I don't need that kind of help. <laughs> so when you help people, help people freely. Um, and, and I promise you, the same way we love people, um, it will free you up to love people more, to help people more. Because you're not expecting anything in return. And here's, here's what's even cool about that. When you do get something in return, it's a bonus. It's like, hey, I didn't even expect this. Now I get something back. All right. I've gone way off here. Amen. <laughs> Amen. You've gone way off. <laughs> I agree. <No. laughs> All right. Uh, all right. Romans 14, 17. We're still going. We're going all the way through, through Romans here. Or not all the way through Romans, but all the way through Romans 14. Uh, God's kingdom isn't a matter of what you put in your stomach, for goodness sake. And this is going back to what we've been talking about. It's not a matter of eat and drink, but of righteousness, peace, and love in the Holy Spirit. But it goes, this is the message version. It says, God's kingdom isn't a matter of what you put in your stomach, for goodness sake. It's what God does with your life as he sets it right, puts it together, and completes it with joy. I love that. Who's doing all the work there? God is. Listen, the kingdom is not a matter of what you eat, what you drink, um, all these surfacey things. It's what God does with your life as he sets it right, puts it together, and completes it with joy. Your task is to single-mindedly serve Christ. Do that, and you'll kill two birds with one stone, pleasing the God above, pleasing the God above you, <clears throat> and proving your worth to the people around you. This is the loving God, loving people thing. When you put this as, as, as your, your only goal, you, you kill two birds with one stone. Verse 19, so let's agree to use all our energy in getting along with each other. I'm going to read that again. <laughs> Let us all agree to use all our energy in getting along with each other. Amen? Okay. Help others with encouraging words. Don't drag them down by finding fault. You're certainly not going to permit, <clears throat> permit an argument over what is served or not served at supper to wreck God's work among you, are you? I said it before and I'll say it again. All food is good. <laughs> I can say that. All food is good, but it can turn bad if you use it badly. If, a, <clears throat> if you use it to trip others up and send them sprawling. When you sit down to a meal, your primary concern should, be to feed, should not be to feed your own face, but to share the life of Jesus. 
So be sensitive and courteous to, to the others who are eating. Don't eat or say or do things that might interfere with the free exchange of love. Cultivate your own relationships Cultivate your own relationship with God, but don't impose it on others. You're, fortun- you're fortunate if your behavior and your belief are coherent. <laughs> I love the way he says that. You're fortunate if your behavior and your belief are coherent. But if you're not sure, if you notice that you're acting in ways inconsistent with what you believe, some, some days trying to impose your opinions on others, other days trying to please them, then you know that you're out of line. If the way you live isn't consistent with what you believe, then it's wrong. (laughs) Listen, for everyone that's been hungry for some kind of behavior modification, that's all I got for you. (laughs) If, If I could give you any practical advice, if what you do doesn't line up with what you believe, stop it. (laughs) That's it. It doesn't change who you are. Your identity hasn't shifted. If, if what you're doing doesn't line up with what you believe, adjust, adjust to who you are. So simple. <laughs> I love that. I'm going to read it again. <laughs> Cultivate your own relationship with God, but don't impose it on others. You're fortunate if your behavior and your belief are coherent. But if you're not sure, if you notice that you're acting in ways inconsistent with what you believe, some days trying to impose your opinions on others, other days just trying to please them, then you know that you're out of line. If the, if the way you live isn't consistent with what you believe, then it's wrong. This is why we, we live, this is why people say, well, uh, uh, what, was the, what was the common term? Uh, I don't remember what it was. Basically, prove, prove to me what you believe by what you do. Now, that can be twisted in a way because we can all fake what we do. You will, you will, you will naturally do what you believe is the right thing to do. That will be proven out. Now, you can fake activity. We can all pretend to be something that we're not, but eventually what you believe is going to come out. What you truly believe is going to come out. You can fake it for so long, only so long, and what you genuinely believe will come out. Um, We're going to jump to 15. We're not going to go all the way through 15, so we're good. We're good on time. Uh, Romans 15.1, it says, Those of us who are strong and able in the faith need to step in and lend a hand to those who falter and, and not just do what is most convenient for us, Strength is for service, not status. I'm going to say that again. (laughs) Strength is for service, not status. Each one of us needs to look after the good of the people around us, asking yourselves, how can I help? Now, I want to pause here for a second because many of us that have kind of gotten caught up in religion have found our our purpose and our value in serving in the church. Don't do that. Don't do that. Your purpose and your value is not an accolades from other people saying, oh, thank you so much for doing this. Don't find your purpose in that. Find your purpose in Christ. Now, in doing so, help. Serve. It should be very natural for you to help others. If Christ lives in and through you, you should want to help and do things around here. And most of you do. I mean, very naturally should do that. But I say that because I don't want to get off here because there, there, there is a trend, especially within churches, that people begin to find their self and their value in just serving. And what happens is if something shifts or something changes, then their value is gone and, their, and their, their hope is in that thing and not Christ. Find your value and your hope and your, your life in Christ and from that place serve. I just had to have a little side note there. Verse 3, that's exactly what Jesus did. <laughs> he didn't make it easy 
for himself by avoiding people's troubles, but waded right in and helped out. I love the, I love the way it's worded there in, in the message. He waded right in to your garbage in your life, and he helped out. I took the troubles of the troubled, is the way Scripture puts it. Even if it was, even if it was written in Scripture long ago, you can be sure it's written for us. God wants the combination of his steady, listen to this, of his steady, constant calling and warm personal counsel in, in Scripture to come to characterize in us. He wants the combination of his steady, constant calling and warm personal counsel in Scripture to come to characterize us, keeping us alert for whatever he will do next. May our, depe- may our dependably steady and warmly personal God develop maturity in you so that you get along with each other as well as Jesus gets along with us all. Then we'll be a choir, not our voices only, but our very lives singing in harmony in a stunning anthem to the God and Father of our Master Jesus. Verse 7, so reach out and welcome one another to God's glory. Jesus did it, now you do it. (laughs) Jesus staying true to God's purposes reached out in in a special way to the Jewish insiders so the old ancestral promises would come true for them as a result, the non-Jewish outsiders have been able to experience mercy and to show appreciation to God. Just think of all the scriptures that will come true in what we, in what we do. For instance, then I'll, then I'll join outsiders in a hymn sing. I'll sing your name. Outsiders and insiders rejoice together. People of all nations celebrate God. All colors and races give hearty praise. And Isaiah's word, there's the root of our ancestor Jesse breaking through the earth and growing and growing tree tall, tall enough for everyone everywhere to see and take hope. Oh, may the God of hope fill you up with joy, fill you up with peace so that your believing lives, filled with the life-giving energy of the Holy Spirit will brim over with hope. Amen. Christ's life works individually in and through us, but it works collectively as a group and a community. When we see each other as as other Christs, other little Christs, which is what Christian is, other little Christians, when we see each other that way, we should relate to people in the same way that Christ relate to people. We wade into their messes with them. We don't stand from a distance and, and tell them what they're doing wrong. We step in and we see what we can do to help. That's what it was, I was blown away by, that just that simple thing that I, did, I didn't even think of it. Like I'm something special, but I didn't think of that at all. Church's like, hey, who do we know in the Coast Guard? Who who can we bless? Who can we help in this situation? Who can we wade in with and help? This is why the Bible tells us we confess our sin, uh, that our sin nature one time and once for all. How do we know this? We don't continue to confess our sins to God over and over again. Well, I can't remember all those. There's no way that I can confess every sin. I remember trying. I'd be at the altar crying, trying to think of sins that maybe I forgot to confess that God could, could, could do more. And he, I, I know he was going, that's sweet, but I got it. <laughs> I got you. Here's why in James it says, confess your sins one to another. Why is this important one to another? Because when you confess your sins, this is, this is the opposite of what Jesus is talking about not doing. He's saying, don't run around telling everybody what they're doing wrong. Listen, I want to command you to go and confess your sins one to another. You see the difference? This is one person telling some, someone else the issues they have, not one person telling the other person the issues they see. You see the difference? Part of the problem there is if I'm going to point out your thing, your issues, I've got a limited perspective. You know better than, than I do what's going on. I'd rather wait for you to come to me with it. 
This is why we can confess our sins one to another. Is that rain or an air conditioner? So when we confess our sins one to another, we, we've talked about this a few weeks ago too, we open ourselves up, right? We leave ourselves vulnerable. And that's a scary place. It, it, it genuinely is, and I, I will completely admit that. It's a scary place when you open yourself up. But through relationship, through getting to know each other, we should let each other know what's going on in our lives. We, sh- we should in some, especially within our church body, we're not a huge church, we should be able to share with one another what's going on in our lives, and each one of us should build each other up. We should not point out what's going on in other people's lives and try to fix them because we're operating from a limited perspective, and we're also, we could also, just like the Scripture just told us, we could cause a stumbling block to those people because now we, our relationship has, has started to, to be shaken a little bit. Yes? And, and you're right, usually that, that's what happens too is when we begin to open up and, and confess our sins one to another, the person that we confess our sins to will, will then feel the liberty to also speak to us about some of the things that they deal with. And that, that relationship gets pretty rapidly strong and you begin to trust each other more. Be careful with that. I say that, I, I, I say that to especially a lot of the young people that I, that I talk to. Listen, you, especially my kids too, you have my trust, be careful with it. <laughs> You have my trust right now, and, and I trust you. You know, I'm still, I'm still their parent, and I'm still going to look at their phones and go through all their stuff. <laughs> but I trust you. Don't be, be very careful. There are, there are liberties that I give my kids, and there's a, tr- there's a level of trust there. And, and I want to be careful that I'm not too overbearing, right, and too controlling that they want to rebel. So there's a, there's a bit of a balance there. Listen, I'm going to keep an eye on you because I want to protect you, but at the same time, I've, I've got to give them a little bit of liberty, and as they get older, I hope to give them more and more and more. In the same way, when we begin to build relationships with one another, we, we, our trust, our, our guard will begin to kind of come down a little bit and our trust will grow. And we'll give each other a little more room, too. We know, well, this person struggles with this or this person's dealing with this. Now, how, how can I build them up and how can I speak into those areas in their life? Do you see the difference in trying to just call people out for what they're doing wrong and, and receiving uh, actual forgiveness and love from someone when they admit to what's going on? It's a much more genuine place and a much more rapidly growing area that I've seen in my experience. I've only seen temporary, um, I don't want to call it transfer, I've only seen temporary behavior modification in people calling out other people's sins. It only worked for a season. You can go through any step program that you want to, and it will work, and it'll get you to a place, but at some point you're going to have to deal with your issues, not just the symptoms. Sin management, behavior modification just deals with the symptoms like cutting grass every two weeks and just pull that stuff up by the roots and paint it like AstroTurf. <laughs> I, I don't know. All right. <clears throat> Stand up with me. I'll pray for you guys. Um, Father, I thank you for, uh, for blessing us with your word. Lord, I thank you that you give us uh, good news. Lord, I thank you that you've, you've done the hard work for us, and from this place we can, we can love freely. Lord, we are not vulnerable to people because we are, strength, we are strengthened by you. So when we, when we bless people and we love people, we're not at a loss, but we're always at an advantage. We're always in a place where we want to build people up and, and give them the fullness of joy that you've given us. Listen, your prayer for us was that we could be one as you are one. 
And we thank you that you made that possible, that you, you came, you died, and you didn't stay there, but you rose and you, you demonstrated to us that, that even in a temporary life, we can experience the kingdom of heaven and we can share that with other people. So, Father, as we love one another, Lord, I pray that that just, uh, just radiates off of us, Lord, just that it's contagious, that the people around us begin to see it and they're attracted to it. And, Father, I pray that you would just uh, lead us and show us these divine appointments that you've created for us today um, and for the rest of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.